Hello, and welcome to Jaded YA Reads, a read-aloud podcast for teens, tweens, and adults, brought to you by the Wells Public Library, with permission from Simon & Schuster. This season, we're reading The Girl with the Silver Eyes by Willow Davis Roberts. Chapter 6 She would have gone through the telephone book immediately, looking for the other names, if it hadn't been for the sitter. Mrs. G had turned down the volume on the TV and was now talking on the telephone. To get the phone book, Katie would have had to approach within inches of her. She didn't feel like doing that. Little skinny kid with glasses, Mrs. G was saying. She paused and held one hand over the receiver to speak to Katie. Talking to my sister, why don't you go outside and play or something? She lifted her hand and continued the conversation. It's a long way over here on the bus. I don't know if it's worth it for babysitter money. I like to starve no more than they keep in the icebox. Indignant, Katie turned away. Fortunately, she just remembered that she had Mrs. M's receipt for the paper and she decided to take it over and see how Lobo was. Mrs. M opened the door wearing a muumuu with lavender and white flowers against a deep purple background. Well, come on in, she said, opening the door wide. You back for more books already? No, I mean, yes. I read both of them, and they were good, but I forgot to bring them back. I just wanted to get away from that sitter and give you this. She handed over the receipt, then noticed Lobo lying on a red velvet cushion on one end of the couch. How are you, Lobo? It happened again. She knew, as certainly as anything. Katie turned to Mrs. M. He feels better, and he'd like some chopped liver. Mrs. M laughed. Oh, you can talk to cats, eh? Well, maybe you can. He sure had a bladder infection, just like you said. And he ought to be better taking medicine that costs $12.50 for a little bitty bottle. All right, lover, she said to the cat. I'll get your liver. While she was getting it, she talked to Katie over the top of the refrigerator door. Why do you need to get away from the sitter? She's a pig, Katie said. She almost added, she's big and fat, but decided against it. Mrs. M was pretty big too, but she wasn't a pig like Mrs. G. She's got a whole pile of banana skins and apple cores on the floor beside her chair, and her coffee cup made marks on the table, and all she does is watch TV, except now she's talking to her sister on the phone, probably long distance on our bill. Sounds like a good one, Mrs. M agreed. You like a cookie? The cookies were oatmeal and raisin, and homemade. Katie chewed appreciatively. She wondered if Mrs. M would have any ideas about how to find out where those other kids, born in September almost ten years ago, had gone. She knew she was taking a chance, but she had to find those kids. And if Mrs. M didn't get excited about Katie being able to talk to cats, why... Maybe she would understand about the other things, too. Before she knew it, she was telling Mrs. M the whole thing. How the other kids didn't like it when she made the ball move away from her face, or whisked back a dropped pencil without touching it, or retrieved her shoe when two boys were tossing it back and forth between them by just mentally pulling it down from above their heads. Mrs. M seemed very interested. She poured Katie a glass of milk, and made herself some tea and put a plate of cookies between them on the table. 
It isn't just that I can move things, though, Katie said, reaching for her third cookie. It's something in my looks, because lots of times I haven't done anything, and they just look at me and back away. It's your eyes, Mrs. M said, nodding. Very different. People don't like people who are different. But why not? Having silvery colored eyes doesn't hurt anybody, does it? No, not really, any more than having one blue eye and one green one does, but the other kids tease Jackson Jones about that. Make stupid remarks. My brother had a birthmark right here. She touched the side of her face. It was shaped sort of like an insect, so the kids called him Spider-Face. After he got grown up, he had it taken off, but people who've known him a long time still call him Spider. You can't have your eyes taken out, Katie said. No, I think maybe you can get contact lenses when you grow up, though. They can make it seem as if your eyes are a different color, if that's what you want. Really? But... It'll be a long time before I'm grown up, and even with contact lenses, I'll still be different, won't I? Seems to me you're better than most folks. And maybe that's it. They don't want anyone to be better or smarter or more powerful in any way. They're afraid of people who are different, so they make fun of them and attack them. It's foolish, but it's the way people are. What else can you do besides make things float around in the air? Katie shrugged nothing. And that isn't very useful. I mean, it's easy to make the pages of my book turn without touching them, but it doesn't save enough energy so I can use it to do something else really important. And it's easy to bring myself a banana from the kitchen without getting up and going after it, but it would only take a minute to get it the regular way. Mrs. M thought about that. Well, you said it's getting stronger. You can move heavier things now than when you first started. So, maybe there'll be a use for it one of these days. But do I have to wait until I'm grown up? And won't I still be a freak? Won't people still be afraid of me and hate me because I'm different? I don't know any grown-ups who can make things move just by thinking about it. Mrs. M nodded her uncombed head. It's a problem, all right. Let's see you move something. Can you put sugar in my tea? I don't know, sometimes I spill things that aren't in a package or something, Katie warned. We can clean it up. Go ahead, put some sugar in my tea, Mrs. M urged. So Katie lifted the spoon from the sugar bowl, floated it unsteadily across the table, and dumped it triumphantly into the teacup. She only spilled a little into the saucer. Hey, that's very good. I wish I could do that seems like it would come in very handy, especially when you get old and stiff or when you're sick. I can see, though, that it might cause trouble if people see you doing it when they don't understand it. I think my grandma thought I was a witch or something. It scared her, and I didn't even do very many things in front of her. Well, maybe all you can do is just be careful, not do it when anyone's looking. Yeah, that's what I do mostly now. But maybe, if there are other kids like me, I could find them. It would be nice to know someone else like me. So she went on and told Mrs. M about Nathan's theory of how something happened to the women who were pregnant when they worked with the drug that was so dangerous the company stopped making it. Do you think that's possible? Katie asked when she'd finished. Mrs. M considered. 
Well, I've read about such things. Of course, I thought it was science fiction. But 20 years ago, men going to the moon was science fiction. And now they can really do it. And if it happened to you, seems like it could happen to somebody else, too. Not going to the moon, I mean making things move by themselves. So maybe there's a lot of people out there like you. Only, they've all been treated like freaks, so they've gone underground. You know, they pretend to be the same as everybody else. It's hard work to keep pretending all the time. How am I going to find them then? Katie wondered. She brought the three birth announcements out of her pocket and tried to smooth the creases out of them. I already looked in the phone book for the name of Lamont. There weren't any at all, so I guess these people have moved away. What about the other ones? Mrs. N had to get out her reading glasses to look at them. Eric Arnold Van Alsberg, born to Paula and Richard. Dale John Casey, born to Sandra and Alfred. Carrie Louise Lamont, born to Fern and Charles. Hmm. Katie waited hopefully for Mrs. M to come up with a brilliant idea. All she said was, get the phone book and we'll look for the other ones. Though there were no Lamonts, there were 11 Van Alsbergs, though none of them was named Richard, and 17 Caseys. Two of the Caseys had the first initial A, so they decided to try those first. Neither of them answered. Mrs. M looked at the clock. Well, they must all be still working. You'll have to call in the evening. With Monica and Nathan listening? Katie asked. How am I going to do that? Well, I guess you'll have to come over here and use my phone, Mrs. M decided. If they had kids, Katie said slowly, wouldn't somebody be home during the day? Maybe they leave them with a sitter. Speaking of sitters, you think that one you had today will be back tomorrow? I don't know. She said it was a long way to come and didn't pay enough. Maybe Monica will fire her. Katie hopes so. I can do more things to make her quit, but if I do, and Monica and Nathan find out, they might do something to me. I don't think they'd be as understanding as you are. Oh, I've been around longer. The more you see, Mrs. M told her, the more you learn to accept things. I guess we better not eat any more cookies. They'll spoil your supper. I suppose. It's almost five, and everybody will be coming home pretty soon. In fact, Mrs. G has to catch a bus at 10 after, so I don't even know if she'll be around until my mother gets home. I think I ought to see if there's any way I can help Jackson Jones collect from Mr. Pollard. He always makes Jackson come back three or four times before he pays him for the paper. I'm not surprised. Mr. Pollard hates cats. He kicked poor old Lobo once, and Lobo limped for a week. What are you going to do? Mrs. M sounded most interested. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see, I guess, Katie told her. She wandered back to her own apartment, going by way of the deck to see if anyone was swimming. No one was. What was the use of having a swimming pool if nobody went in it? Mrs. G had finally turned off the TV and was picking up her garbage to take it to the kitchen. Katie was disappointed. She'd hoped it would still be in the living room when Monica came home, so Mrs. G would be fired. Well, so long, kiddo, Mrs. G said, after she'd dumped her dirty dishes into the sink and the rinds, cores, and peelings into the garbage can. See you tomorrow. It was absurd that Monica should pay the woman to come here and sit and watch TV and eat Monica's groceries all day. 
She hadn't paid any attention to Katie at all. She hadn't even asked where she'd been the hour or more she'd spent in the apartment across the hall. What good was she? Katie stood on the balcony and watched unhappily as Mrs. G tottered off to the corner to catch her bus. She intended to come back, and what could you do to frighten off somebody who was so absorbed in soap operas that she didn't even notice what went on around her? All of a sudden, she remembered the meatloaf and potatoes she was supposed to have put in the oven. Katie spun and ran to the kitchen, turning on the oven and getting out the meatloaf Monica had made the night before. Usually, they baked such things at 350 degrees. Would it cook fast enough if she turned it up to 400 degrees? She stuck the meatloaf in and got out the potatoes. At home, Grandma put big, clean nails through the potatoes to make them cook faster. But Katie couldn't find any nails in Monica's kitchen. Well, they'd bake at 400 degrees too, so maybe it would work out right. Maybe she ought to turn the heat up to 500 degrees. She could turn it back down to the right temperature just before Monica got here, and nobody'd ever know the difference. She went back to her post on the balcony, waiting for people to show up. Somebody did, although she didn't know who he was. He was about as old as Nathan, she guessed, only she liked his looks better. He didn't have a beard, and he had a nice, friendly face. He parked his car in the lot, in the space for 3A, which probably didn't matter since Mr. P didn't have a car, and came toward the front door below her. When he looked up and saw Katie, he waved. The new man was tall and had sandy hair and blue eyes. Katie was very conscious of eye color now. She kept hoping she'd find someone who had silvery eyes like her own. Of course, the newcomer was much too old to have been exposed to that experimental drug or whatever it was, but maybe that wasn't the only thing that gave people special abilities. Hi, he called up to her. Do you know if there are any furnished apartments available in this building? I'm looking for one. Katie leaned over the railing. I don't know. The sign says furnished and unfurnished. My mother rented this one unfurnished a week ago. The manager lives in the basement if you want to ask him. Okay, I will. He grinned at her and went on inside. It would be nice, Katie thought, if Mr. Pollard moved out and this man moved in. He didn't look to be the type who would swear at her if he ran into her on the stairs. She saw Jackson Jones coming on his bicycle, far down the street. A little dog ran after him, yapping and nipping at Jackson's pant leg. She could communicate with cats. Could she do the same with dogs? From a block away? She didn't know if she'd have to say it loud enough for the dog to hear it or not, but it was worth a try. Stop that, she said aloud. Jackson's a nice boy. Don't fight him. Of course, the dog couldn't hear her, but it suddenly stopped running after Jackson and trotted back into its own yard. So she didn't know if she'd communicated or if the dog had simply gotten tired. That was something most other people couldn't do either. Talk to dogs and cats. Well, of course, anybody could talk to them, but most people didn't get answers back. Not that she'd had an answer from the dog, but he'd done what she said. She wondered what old Dusty would have had to say if she'd been able to get him to respond. Dusty had been an old dog when she went to live with Grandma Welker, and he'd had to go live with the Tanners when Grandma died. He'd been a nice old dog, even if he didn't talk to her. She missed Dusty. 
Katie turned her head and saw that Mr. P was getting off the bus in the opposite direction. He saw Jackson Jones and broke his stride, then continued on more slowly, carrying his jacket because it was so hot. She'd bet he didn't intend to pay Jackson today, either, if he could help it, Katie thought. Did he keep the boy coming back time and after time for his money, just to be hateful? She decided that he was mean enough to do just that. They met on the edge of the parking lot, just a few yards out from Katie's balcony. She could look down and see Mr. P's bald head, the strand of hair gone askew, and the wallet in his hip pocket, too. Katie's fingers curled around the railing. Could she work that wallet out of the tight pocket? Could I collect today, sir? Jackson Joan asked as politely as if he hadn't tried to collect several times before. Gee, I don't think I've got anything smaller than a $20 bill, Mr. P said. I'll look and see, but I'm pretty sure I don't. He seemed surprised when the wallet almost slid out of the pocket into his hand, and then he opened it up to check its contents. Katie closed her eyes and gritted her teeth, then looked to see how it was working. The wallet seemed to writhe in Mr. P's pudgy fingers, almost as if it were alive. Probably he'd intended only to pretend to peek into the bill compartment, but instead he suddenly found the bills sliding out past his fingers, moving with a will of their own. They eluded his grasp and went sailing off in several different directions. Mr. P yelped and grabbed, nearly falling over his own feet. One bill blew right up against Jackson Jones's shirt and stuck there until Jackson put a hand over it. This one here's a 10, Mr. Pollard, Jackson said. I could make change for that. Mr. Pollard, however, wasn't listening. He was pursuing his money. One bill skidded merrily across the sidewalk, defying his efforts to put a foot on it to stop it. Another lodged in a tree branch, blending with the leaves, and a third wafted to the feet of the man who had been looking for an apartment just as he came out the front door. Hey, what's going on? The newcomer picked up the bill, examined it, and then spotted the twin to it in the tree. Whose money? Yours? He asked Jackson Jones. Jackson was busy writing out a receipt. Well, part of it's mine to pay for the paper. The rest of it belongs to him. He gestured toward Mr. Pollard, who had finally managed to capture the last of the bills and was cautiously drawing it out from under his foot. Mr. Pollard was red-faced and perspiring when he came back and accepted Jackson's receipt. He looked up and saw Katie. His face got even redder. Funny, he said to no one in particular, how that kid is always around when things fly in all directions. Oh, well, how's that? the newcomer asked. Mr. P muttered something Katie didn't understand. She didn't think the other man understood it either. My name's Cooper, the man said. Adam Cooper. I've just rented apartment 2C. Are you one of my neighbors? Hal Pollard, 3A, Mr. Pollard admitted, accepting the bills that Mr. Cooper handed over to him. Thanks. I hope we got it all. What happened? A sudden gust of wind? I guess so. Excuse me, I think I'll take a swim before supper. It must be 95 in the shade. Well, at last someone was going to use the pool. Katie wasn't sure she wanted to share it with nobody but Mr. P, though. Jackson Jones called, Thanks, Mr. Pollard, and 
and then looked up at Katie and grinned. See you later, he said. Adam Cooper still stood below her. Hi again. Listen, are you busy, young lady, or would you help me haul things in tomorrow morning? When I bring my stuff over, I'll, I'll pay you. Katie shrugged. Sure, why not? Are you going to swim in the pool? Not tonight, maybe tomorrow. Why, you need a swimming partner? Somebody besides Mr. Pollard, Katie acknowledged. You don't like Mr. Pollard? Adam Cooper asked. I don't think anybody likes Mr. Pollard. He kicks cats and doesn't pay his bills and tells lies and swears at people even when they don't do anything. Is that right? Sounds terrific. Tell you what, after we get my junk carried in tomorrow, we'll go swimming, okay? Okay, Katie agreed. And then, after she'd gone back inside the apartment, she wondered uneasily if her mother would agree to that or if the new tenant fell into the category of strange men and was therefore to be treated warily. She had no sooner gotten inside than she smelled the meatloaf and potatoes. Oh no, she'd burned up their supper. Katie jerked open the oven door and the smoke poured out into the room, just as Monica put her key in the lock. Chapter 7. Monica inspected the charred food. Nathan said, Who drank my beer? And Monica looked at the dirty dishes in the sink. Mrs. G wasn't a very good sitter, Katie ventured. Did she drink all three beers or did you have some? Nathan demanded. Grandma Welker said drinking beer was almost as bad for you as smoking, Katie said. And besides, it tastes terrible. Monica ran a finger over the dust left in the fruit bowl. And she ate all the bananas and oranges and apples too? I think there's a few left in the refrigerator. She ate your Danish though. Monica and Nathan looked at each other and then at the hard and unappetizing food. Maybe we could cut the bottom off the meatloaf and the rest would be edible, Monica said uncertainly. I still have stuff left for salad, if the sitter didn't eat that too. Katie was afraid Nathan was going to lose his temper, but he didn't. Why don't you make the salad, he suggested, and I'll go after pizza. What do you like on yours, Katie? It was the first time he'd ever called her anything but kid. Did that mean he was beginning to accept her a little? Anything but pineapple, she said. I had pineapple pizza once, but it wasn't as good. Okay. Pepperoni, Canadian bacon, mushrooms, olives, sauce, and plenty of cheese, Nathan decided. Be back in half an hour. They seemed to take it for granted that the new sitter had been responsible for cooking the meatloaf and potatoes at 500 degrees, and Katie didn't volunteer the truth. She thought if they hadn't both been a little late coming home, and she hadn't lost track of the time because she was helping Jackson Jones get his money from Mr. P, it might have come out all right anyway. Monica began to make the salad. How did you get along with Mrs. Gerald? Katie shrugged. All she did was watch television and eat. Oh, and talk to her sister on the phone. She didn't pay any attention to what I was doing. I was gone for several hours, and she never even noticed. Oh? 
Where were you for several hours? Just across the hall, talking to Mrs. Michaelmas. She's nice. She's a cat named Lobo. Lobo means wolf, Katie told her. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you ask Mrs. M if she couldn't keep an eye on me instead of a sitter? It wouldn't cost so much if she didn't have to come over here and stay, and she wouldn't need all our food and mess up our apartment. Why don't you ask her? Monica considered. You like her? Yes, she has lots of great books to read. She lent me some of them. And she likes you? Why did Monica have to sound so astonished about that? Yes, she gave me cookies. She wouldn't do that if she didn't like me, would she? Maybe I'll talk to her, Monica agreed. And Katie's spirits soared. It was so warm that evening that after they'd let the pizza settle, Monica and Nathan and Katie all went swimming. Mr. P had been in and was just coming out. Unlike Nathan, who was tanned and muscular, Mr. P was pale and looked as if he never did anything more strenuous than swear at kids he met on the stairs or trot to avoid paying the paperboy. He glowered at Katie even now, when she hadn't done a thing except to dip one toe in the water. Nathan didn't seem to notice that Mr. P was in a bad humor. Good day for it, eh? It's been a miserable day, Mr. P asserted. He picked up his belongings from one of the lounge chairs. I'd advise you not to leave anything lying around here. Why, somebody in the building steals? Nathan asked. I don't know about steals, but I left my shoes and socks here the other day, way back from the edge of the pool, and some joker poured water over them. Shoes were full when I came to get them. He looked right at Katie when he said that, although he couldn't possibly know she was responsible. Well, this is the first time any of us has been down here, Monica said, slipping off her sandals. I'll race you, Katie. Katie was a fairly good swimmer. The water was cool and soft as silk against her skin. She didn't beat Monica racing to the far end of the pool, but she nearly tied her. For the first time in a good many days, she forgot all the problems in her life and just gave herself over to enjoying herself. She had dived to the bottom of the pool and then surfaced for air when she suddenly realized there was someone standing at the edge of the pool. It was the new tenant, Adam Cooper. He wasn't wearing a bathing suit, but he didn't seem to mind that she splashed a little water on him when she came up. Hi, he said. How's the water? Feels great, Nathan said, floating on his back. You live here too? I will tomorrow. I'd asked the little girl to help me haul things in in the morning, and then it occurred to me that maybe I'd better talk to her folks first, make sure it was all right with them. People get ideas these days about strange men and little girls. With no elevators in this place, it will save my legs if somebody can help with the small stuff. I'll pay her, naturally. My name's Cooper, Adam Cooper. Nathan Osmond, Nathan said. I'm Monica Welker, Monica said. She'd stopped swimming and clung to the side of the pool. Well, I, I guess it's all right, Mr. Cooper, if Katie wants to do it. She'll have a sitter keeping an eye on her, of course. Oh, of course. Well, good. I'll see you around ten, then, Katie? Okay, Katie said. Had he come back tonight just to make sure it was all right with her mother? That seemed nice of him, not to want to risk causing any trouble. Adam Cooper stood there for a few minutes longer, talking to Nathan and Monica, 
while Katie tried to see how long she could stay underwater. And finally, when she came up, Mr. Cooper was gone. In the morning, she thought, she'd get out the phone book and try all the possible names, and then, if she didn't get any answers, she'd go back to Mrs. M's during the evening and try again. And if none of the people she called turned out to have kids born that same September, Katie didn't know quite what she was going to do next. All she was sure of was that she would never stop looking until she found some of them, the kids who might be like herself. Sure, Mrs. Michaelmas said, I'll keep an eye on Katie. You don't need to pay me anything unless she gets to be a real nuisance, she winked at Katie. And in exchange, when I go to visit my sister over the weekend, maybe Katie can look after Lobo so I don't have to put him in a kennel. He hates the kennel, and my sister's allergic to cats, so I can't take him with me. That was settled so easily. Now, Katie thought, if only she could solve some of her other problems. Monica called Mrs. Gerald and told her she'd mail her a check. Katie didn't hear what Mrs. G said back, but whatever it was made Monica's face red, so it must not have been very nice. It felt strange to be all alone in the apartment in the morning, but good. Katie indulged herself in letting things fly around the kitchen, the knives and forks hurtling toward the table, the cereal box tipping itself over the bowl. She had to pour the milk by hand, otherwise it wobbled so that it spilled too much. No doubt she'd get better at that as she went along. When she'd finished eating, allowing an orange to peel itself and divide into sections while she watched it, Katie loaded the dishwasher, wiped up the crumbs, and hung up the dish rag, all without leaving her seat at the table. It was handy, and it was sort of fun, but Katie didn't really see any special value in being able to move things that way. It didn't make up for being so different that nobody wanted to be her friend. Except Mrs. M, of course. Now, with no sitter around, Katie decided she would make her phone calls from home. She went down the whole list, but only found someone in three places. When she asked for Eric Van Alsberg at one number and Dale Casey at the other, she was told impatiently by female voices that she had the wrong number and they hung up before she could even ask if they knew anyone by that name. Well, probably they'd have said if they did, wouldn't they? She didn't cross off those names, though. Maybe she'd try again in the evening, when there might be someone else at home. The third time someone answered, A. Casey, a suspicious voice said, Who's this? My name's Katie Welker, she said politely. May I speak to Dale? She hadn't really thought out what she was going to say to those other kids, if she managed to reach them. But as it turned out, it didn't matter. The voice on the other end of the wire said, Dale ain't here now. Her heartbeat quickened, though, because there was a Dale Casey. Could he be the one she wanted? Can you tell me when he'll be home? About six, probably. It's when he usually gets off work. Off work? That had to mean someone more than ten years old. I think the Dale I'm trying to reach will be ten years old in September, Katie said. She quickly consulted the crumpled birth announcement. September the 16th. I wish you kids would stay off the phone and quit bugging me, the voice said, and the receiver was replaced hard enough so that Katie rubbed at her ear. Well, she thought, 
Tonight, she'd go over and visit with Mrs. M, and they'd call the numbers from her phone. Maybe then there'd be more answers. She ought to figure out what she was going to say, too, if she got hold of someone who might be the right one. Are your eyes silver? Do people back away from you? Are you like me with no friends because everybody thinks you're peculiar? Can you move things without touching them? She went downstairs to get the mail, after she saw the postman leaving, and leafed through the envelopes with her mother's name on them, an electric bill, a bank statement, and a letter with a name and a return address that made Katie stop dead still in the middle of the foyer. Lamont, it said, and the address was in Millersville. Katie had never been in Millersville, but she'd heard of it. She wondered if there was a map anywhere in the apartment so she could see how far away it was. It had to be the same Lamont, didn't it, as the one Monica had worked with at the pharmaceutical company? Katie stared at the magical return address. Fern Lamont was the mother of Carrie Louise, and now that Katie knew where one of the children was, she could hardly wait to find out all about her. How to do it, though? If she simply wrote to her at the address on the envelope and asked outright if Carrie had powers no one else seemed to have, what would happen? If Carrie did have unusual abilities, maybe she'd write by return mail and say so. However, probably she, like Katie, realized that some things were better kept secret and she might not want to admit anything. And there was also the possibility that anything either of them wrote would be intercepted by some adult who would be more alarmed than amused by any claim to an ability not shared by everyone else. Grown-ups seemed to think that kids didn't need any privacy, nor deserve any. If only she could travel to Millersville and see this Carrie in person, then she would know, Katie thought. Hi, you waiting for me? Katie turned to see the smiling Adam Cooper coming through the front door. I was getting the mail, Katie said. Are you moving in now? Moving in now, Mr. Cooper agreed. I'll go up and unlock the place while you get rid of your mail, and then you can help me carry my junk, okay? It seemed as good a way to pass the time as any. Katie took a moment to copy down the address from Mrs. Lamont's letter, just in case she never saw it again, and then went out to Mr. Cooper's car. It had a lot of odds and ends in it, and Katie helped carry in paper bags and cardboard boxes, and even some groceries. When they were through, though, she looked around the apartment, and it didn't look as if anyone had moved in. You don't have much stuff, she commented. Oh, some of my things are in storage. If I decide to stay here, I'll get them out then. My books, things like that. Katie hadn't seen any books in the containers they'd carried in. Her interest quickened. Mrs. Michaelmas lends me books to read. Who's that? The lady in 2B. I don't have to have a sitter anymore. Mrs. M keeps an eye on me. She's a reader, eh? And you are too? Yes. Well, I'll let you know when I get my books, and you can see if there's anything you want from the Cooper Lending Library. What do you say we meet at the pool in ten minutes and take a dip before lunch? That sounded all right, so Katie went to change into her suit. She also checked in with Mrs. M and Lobo. Lobo purred when she ran her hand over his head. He might look evil, but he wasn't, 
It was only the way his fur was marked. Just like herself, Katie thought. People were scared off because she didn't seem or look the way they thought she ought to. You look all better, Katie told the big cat. You don't hurt anymore, do you? No, but all she gave me to eat today was dry cat food. I don't like it very much. Mrs. Michaelmas was watching with interest. What's he say? He doesn't like dry cat food very much. Why was it, Katie wondered, that Mrs. M could accept her for what she was, but nobody else could? Mrs. M laughed. I'm not surprised, but it's a lot cheaper than the canned stuff, or tuna, or chopped liver. Tell him he'll get something better after supper. That's nice, Lobo thought. He closed his eyes and stretched out in the sun that came through the windows. I don't have to tell him. He understands what you say, Katie informed Mrs. M. Oh, well, I thought he did, only he never answers me back. Can you do that with all animals, or just cats? I don't know, Katie admitted. Lobo was the first one, and maybe a dog down the street understood me yesterday. Not sure. He didn't say anything back, though. I don't know what good it does being able to know what animals are thinking. I can't even tell anyone or they'll think I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy, Mrs. M said. She stuck a pin in her untidy white hair to keep a strand from falling over her face. You could be a veterinarian, you know. Be very handy. If you were the doctor taking care of the animals, they could tell you where they hurt and so on. I guess it would. I'll have to think about that. It would be more use, though, if I could know what people were thinking instead of animals. Mrs. M shook her head, and the pin came out so that her hair fell over her eyes again. I think you'll be better off if you stick to animals. Could cause all sorts of problems if you could eavesdrop on people's private thoughts. I don't think you'd want to, once you found out what they were like. You're not going swimming alone, are you? Katie ran a hand over her new bathing suit, the one Monica had bought for her after learning that there was a private pool at the new apartment house. No, Monica won't let me go in alone. She says it isn't safe, even if you're a good swimmer. I helped Mr. Cooper move into 2C, and now we're going to swim. Why don't you come with us? <laughs> me? Honey, they don't make bathing suits for fat old ladies like me. On the other hand, there's no law says I can't dangle my feet in the water, is there? Maybe I'll come along and join you. So Mrs. M sat on the edge of the pool with her muumuu pulled up to expose pale and surprisingly skinny legs with blue veins in them, while Katie showed off how she could swim and dive. Mrs. M didn't even care if Katie splashed on her a little. She said it cooled her off. Adam Cooper swam for a while and then sat beside Mrs. M, talking. He looked good in a bathing suit, Katie thought. Almost as many muscles as Nathan, although he wasn't quite as tanned. His sandy hair got lighter as it dried, and he talked easily, pleasantly. She'd bet he'd pay his bills on time, not like Mr. P. They left the pool when it was lunchtime. Katie wondered if Mr. C didn't have a job to go to, but he said he was on vacation for a few weeks and didn't have to worry about that right now. He intended, he said, to relax and spend a lot of time around the pool, improving his tan. Nothing like a good tan, he said, to impress the females. I'll play lifeguard if you want to swim during the day, he told Katie, if it's okay with your mother and dad. 
Nathan's not my dad, Katie said quickly. He doesn't even live with us. He's just a friend of my mom's. Oh, yeah, that's right. He said his name, and it's not the same as yours and your mother's, is it? Are they engaged or something? I hope not, Katie said, and then wondered if she should have said that. They were walking toward the stairs that led up to the second floor deck, leaving footprints on the cement. Why? Don't you like him? Adam Cooper asked. It's more that I don't think he likes me, Katie said. Oh, does he treat you badly? Katie shrugged. Mostly he calls me kid, as if I didn't have a name. He thinks I'm... She stopped, appalled at what she'd almost said. No sense in giving Mr. C any reason to think she was peculiar, if he didn't already think so. He thinks you're what? Her feet had dried off now, and the boards of the stairs were hot. Oh, she said, trying to sound careless. I don't think he's used to kids, is all. Well, Mr. C said, your mother is a very pretty lady. I just wondered if her friend would be upset if I talked to her. You know, around the pool in the evening. I'll probably swim again this evening. Maybe I'll see you then. That sounded all right to Katie. She wondered if Monica thought Mr. C was attractive. Katie liked him better than Nathan. For one thing, he didn't smoke. You could always tell. A person stunk of tobacco, even when he wasn't actually smoking. And Mr. C talked to her as if she were a person, not a kid. Mrs. M came padding along behind them, the wet hem of her moo flapping against her shins in a glory of multicolored flowers on a hot pink background. Seems like a nice fellow, she said, after Mr. C had turned in at his own door. I think he likes you, Katie. He kept talking about you, asking questions. Oh, what kind of questions? A little alarm bell rang somewhere in the back of Katie's mind, although she wasn't sure why. Mr. Cooper had no reason to think there was anything wrong with her, did he? She hadn't done anything peculiar while he was around. It was only, she thought, that she liked him, that it would be nice to have another friend, like Mrs. M. He might not be a friend if he thought she was peculiar. Ask me how we got along, you and me, things like that. How much had I seen of you? Why did the babysitters both leave? Katie tried to remember. Had she talked to Mr. C about the sitters? Only to say that she didn't have one, that Mrs. M was keeping an eye on her. She said so long to Mrs. M and went on into her own apartment, but continued to feel uneasy all the rest of the day.